What's going on everybody? 360 Digital Closing Bell here for our week look back podcast. September 4th, 2020 here on this gorgeous Friday. It's about 7.11 a.m. here, so we're, we're cranking this out a little later than normal. As always, I am your humble correspondent, Michael Tanner, joined as always by the executive producer of the show, the purveyor of the show, and the director and publisher of the world's greatest website, oilandgas360.com, Stuart Turley. Stu, how you doing today? It is a fabulous day in the neighborhood. You got a hall pass for a three-day weekend. Oh, we are two steps away from a three-day hall pass, guys. I don't know if you're excited. I'm extremely excited, but we have a great show for you guys lined up today. We're going to cover everything that happened in the energy markets looking back. Uh, you know, me think about it. We have the Liberty Slumber's Day deal we're going to dive into. I did some napkin math. Hopefully it works out. DOE rig counts uh, and rig counts we're definitely going to cover. There's just a bunch of wild stuff. Chevron CFO, we've got him on record saying too many CEOs per BOE. Ooh, ooh, spicy. We'll cover all of that. Stu's got some stuff on the international news desk, and then as obviously we'll cover uh, the, the levels for for crude oil um, and kind of dive into oil price and all that. But first, guys, this show is brought to you by the world's greatest website, oilandgas360.com, where you can find all of your energy uh, news, guys, from M&A deals, breaking news. Stu does a great job of getting all of the information. Check it out. You should check out the 360 News Desk on that website, which is where you can basically take this show and all of your energy market stuff you can find on one page. It is really awesome. And we are on all the social medias, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook. Follow us. Retweet us. We love it, guys. We have a Oil & Gas 360 News Desk Twitter that just re- that just literally tweets everything that's too- that we post on the website. It's unbelievable. Highly recommend you give me a follow. Connect with me and Stuart on LinkedIn. And, you know, as part of that, we also have the Energy 360 podcast by NRCom, which is an energy thought leadership podcast that Stu is in charge. We've got some crazy stuff coming up on that one. Whoa. Can you give us a little outlook? What are we looking at? Oh, I'll tell you what. It, it is nutty. Uh, I just uh, – we've got one that is a solar panel um, uh, renewable um, – Shoot, it's Friday morning. Uh, a renewable uh, recycling firm. And yes, so yes, yes, the, I remember that. Uh, one of the biggest problems we've had is, oh, wait a minute, this stuff is not recyclable. Uh, we also have uh, Shale Specialist, uh, part two, that's part one and part two coming out. Phenomenal uh, data and information. We have another interview from a uh, the LNG a natural gas spokesperson for Europe, a fabulous uh, guy. We're working out the topics right now. I think we're going to record at the end of next week. Uh, we have several others. I'm working on a couple interviews from one of the largest oil companies, if not the largest oil company. We got some huge. We got some stuff. good stuff coming up. Yeah. We'll, whenever we know, guys. You will know it because if you listen to this podcast, we love to play inside baseball here. But seriously, guys, just subscribe 360 Digital Closing Bell to this podcast. Check everything out on oilandgas360.com. It was a busy week this week. I mean, I'm looking back at all the notes. It took me about you know, a little half hour this morning to kind of just regather everything that had happened this week and put it on. Um, 
I think when we look, I think, you know, we'll start early in the week. I think, you know, the biggest news that happened early on in the week is our Liberty Slumberjay deal. And if you guys don't remember what happened, um, Slumberjay is selling their one uh, their their U.S. frack unit to Liberty Oil Field Service in 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 exchange, excuse me, for a 37% stake. So basically, what Slumberjay is doing is they're taking all their U.S. fracking assets, they're dumping it into this entity called OneStim. They are selling it to uh. Um, Liberty and taking a 37% stake, and they valued it at about $448 million. So, you know, we kind of went over um, some of the highlights, but if if you haven't seen the highlights, this is from, now, this is from a Liberty slide deck, so we'll just look at this. I love those guys, but we'll look at this with a grain of salt, because this is is a Liberty slide deck here. Um, 2019 Liberty, by themselves, $2 billion in revenue. Combined one stim company, $5.2 billion in revenue. Adjusted EBITDA, which non-GAAP, remember it says adjusted, so this is non-GAAP, $277 million versus $664 million. Interesting. This is what I like, though, and this is the number that doesn't, you know, this is, this does not matter. I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say is this number I love. It doesn't matter if this is on an internal slide deck, because you can go back and this. Market share, 2019 Liberty, 9%. One stim 2020, 22%. That's a good number right there because you just, you have more buyers. If you just have more people willing to buy and you have it, it's much better. You know, other things I like is they basically got a free sand mine out of this. There was a, there was a bunch of just free legacy sand stuff that it doesn't make sense to purchase. But if you have, and you don't have to actually pay the, what we would call the capital expenditures to go out and buy a sand mine, very helpful and can really scale. So, so let's, let's, let's do this for a second. Let's take a look at what we think is, you know, because I think the real deal is, is this a good deal for Liberty? Is this a good deal for Slumberjay? I think if you're Slumberjay, it's a tough question to answer. You bought this business for about $480 million about four or five years ago. Now, at the time, it was a steal when you got those assets. Right now... I, I mean, I think, I think, I think they take a hit, but I think you, I think, I think if you're a, a Slumberjay shareholder, you see this as a breath of fresh air because they weren't focused on U.S. fracking as heavily as they were on much other parts. I mean, they have a very robust offshore um, uh, service business, and they are again huge international. Why not double down on what you're, especially in times like this? Why, why not just double down on what you're making? You know, over 10 million in revenue a year on. So. If you're Slumberjay, my thoughts are, okay, I, I think it's okay. If you're Liberty, I'm excited about this if, 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 if you're a Liberty shareholder because I, obviously you, you start cornering the market. I, I think some of the numbers that you see in their slide deck, we'll see if it actually turns out. Like, it'll be interesting to see a year from now when we get an actual quarterly statement of one stim, see what happens. Um, but they're te- they're, the, so Liberty did... 57 cents per share in free cash flow without one stim. Nice. Okay. They claim in their slide deck $2.08 per share of free cash flow. So napkin math, $379 million for the combined company free cash flow. You strip away Slumberjay's 37%, you get about $238 million attributing to existing shareholders of Liberty. You then take the 60, $66 million that Liberty is going to have without Slumberjay. And you get 120, right. 100 and like 72, 170 million in additional free cash flow, according to Liberty, as a part of this transaction. And that works out to like a 2.5 multiple 
for an acquisition, which honestly, on a free cash flow basis, I think is cheap. So it's just napkin math, but two, two, two and a half times free cash flow. Not because a lot of times it's times EBITDA, but we're talking free cash flow. I think that's a good that's a good deal for your Liberty shareholder. I think Liberty makes out great on this deal, and you want to talk about a merger that from I think both sides win on. This I think is a great is a great picture. I mean, this is what the EMP should be doing right now. Yes. Uh, Michael, you nailed it the other day. Uh, I think it was two weeks ago when you talked about this is the season to unload uh, options or excuse me, uh, assets and take the hit, move on, make your shareholders happy. This happens to be a perfect one for Schlumberger. Now on the uh, Liberty Frack side, good management, good numbers. I mean, the CEO and the president and the management staff, the all the employees we know over at Liberty are top-notch folks. I believe you have a scheduled event with one of those folks, if I'm not mistaken. We've got somebody lined up for Liberty, and, and trust me, once we get that actually cut and recorded, we'll announce it. I'm just still – these type of things, you got to wait till the recording's in the bank before you do any teasing. But, yes, we do have – and I'm excited to dive into this because, I mean, you look at – you know, you just look at Liberty stocks. So, I mean, to give you an idea, OneStim is not a publicly traded company. It's a private entity that is held by two partners, Liberty and Schlumberger, both public. So we're going to be able to look at their um, uh, quarterly results and figure out exactly how good OneStim's doing because they have to type in their revenue sources or they have to, at least we'll know from a revenue basis and a profit basis how much they make. We're not necessarily going to know what they're spending on a, you know, I would say a day-to-day basis. And I think that's probably why they like this deal. It's all they have to do is four or five different lines but we'll we'll know a little bit about how this company's doing give you an idea liberty was trading at 640 before this now trading at 860 so if you had some if you were long liberty which probably the only people long liberty are their management team but they, they had a nice they celebrated tuesday they celebrated a very nice steak dinner probably in downtown denver um and put that on the corporate card um as they hopefully should have is there anything else about this deal Stu? that i think when you i mean i think i think everybody sort of dove into it i think you know my key takeaway is i think it's a great deal for liberty I think it's a it's 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 a good deal for for Schlumberger. I I could I I you can pitch me the downside, but in, in the end, I think Eminent. I think I think Schlumberger in ten years, this is going to be a much this is going to be a good revenue stream for them, and not just a kicker. This is going, you know what I mean? You bet. Absolutely. I think you have to look at this on a ten to twenty to thirty year time frame. Not all right. What's going to happen tomorrow? Um, if you would just give me a moment on your podcast, uh, I'll tell you, um, uh, Chris over there, the CEO is a phenomenal, Chris Wright. That's his name, correct? Chris Wright. Yes. Uh, is a phenomenal human. Uh, I just absolutely respect him. His belief is right along what, uh, you know, ours is, or mine's been tailored after his. And that is, he believes that everybody on the planet, the 1.5 uh, plus billion people in the in the poverty without access to power, he his is one of the first presentations I saw that was phenomenally well received at one of the intercom oil and gas conferences. So uh, the other thing about uh, Liberty 
is the simple fact that uh, they lined everybody up and they had their employees drink their frac fluid. Yep. I'm sorry. That's, I think that's e- awesome. That is ESG at its finest. You want to talk about us being environmentally friendly? Holy cow, Batman. That gets me a holy cow, Batman. Uh, here's all these employees going, cheers. Here's our belief in the company. You well, can't that, buy it. Yeah, and I think they also have a – they're building a culture of one ESG, but also they're, they're – I have identified the wave – of technology shifting from EMPs to service companies and their executive team. I mean, their president was formerly their VP of technology. So they clearly enjoy people with a technical background. If you follow them on social media, they, they have this thing called Tech Tuesdays that I, that I really like. It's actually how I was able to get in and, and score this interview. Um, but it, they're, they're, like you mentioned, they're, they're, they're big on the two things that I think are the future. And so that's why I'm bullish on this Maybe not tomorrow, but in 5, 10, 15 years when I think oil prices... Because right now, oil prices are so low. Regardless of what I think of this deal, I, I, I'm, I, I'm short liberty. Can't can't you be know. long in oil field service in $40 oil when I don't know what's going to... You know what I mean? But I may not be short. Way. I can't be long. No, but you're, you're dead on right. But you and I have had a, a theory on the show, and that is good management and good numbers. Right? No ESG, no survival. Okay, so let's back up a little bit on the management problems that everybody in the that's giving oil and gas investments a horrible name, and that is very, very large bailouts and pay money to the executive teams, right? That goes Well, speaking of ESG, we've done a great job of focusing on the E. We've done right. a terrible job as an industry of focusing on the G when it comes to governance. I mean, look no further than Whiting Petroleum and that former management team. I mean, all you have to do is Google yeah. Brad Holly, Anadarko, and I'm, just do it. And yeah, but- you will, all you need to know about that dude's character, I'm telling you. Yep. But speaking of character, the entire management team at Liberty, what happened when they had to lay off employees? Do you remember? They took a 66% pay cut, didn't they? absolutely i remember that they are absolutely class acts over there i can't give they are who uh give oil field service companies a good name yeah i i I know a lot of people that work for liberty and frat guys down in midland i mean one of them i guess now is he didn't get laid off he he took the early retirement they were offering it's now back to school at mines um but uh Always nice things to say about them. Treat their employees well. I mean, I, I, nothing bad to say about them. Like I said, I think this deal in the future, obviously it's going to boost the stock price if, if you're a Liberty shareholder right now. I think you have to look at this deal if, 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 if you're a market participant. as This is going to play out over 5, 10 years, and, and we won't be able to look back at a year from now and be like, oh, see, I told you the Liberty deal, Schlumberger deal sucked. You know, because it may be, because oil still may be 40 bucks, and right now nobody's making money at 40 bucks. It's why Schlumberger's selling their frack business at a large discount, because trust me, or Liberty's not buying at the market price. No, but not not many people can, especially service companies. Not many of them can. So I I think I think future it's a good deal. I think that's all that needs to be said about that. Um, that really kind of took up all of the news Monday Tuesday. I mean, there was some other uh, little small things that dropped. I mean, moving to Wednesday, crude oil inv- uh, DOE inventories dropped. We saw a huge stock drop, about nine point four million barrels. Oil production was down to nine point seven million barrels per day. 
coming off all of those shut-ins due to Hurricane Laura. Right now, when we right now as we stand, it looks like it's about eighty-five percent of the production's back online. The refineries are actually doing much better. And here's this is something I like to look at: refinery utilization. Uh, and here we go. Yeah, here we go. Refinery utilization, 68% in the East Coast, Midwest, 88%. Gulf Coast, 73%, which is down 10% from last week. So there to give you an idea of the amount of refinery capacity that was actually knocked over. It was about 10%. So, you know, a lot of production was shut in, over a million barrels as we can see. Because if we go to U.S. lower 48 um, production, 10-4. Here we go. Here we go. It's about, you know, we're looking at... You know, we're looking at current week, 9.2 million from lower 48 production, 10.4 last week. So, you know, 1.2 million barrels on the, you know, drop. Only about 10% of refinery production was able to come offline, though. So, that kind of just gives you an idea of amount of how much capacity we really do have um, in order to turn this stuff out. Um, you know, another thing that happened is we were following Tuesday, Wednesday, because it was kind of the rollover um, on the new year. Lone Star Resources, you know, speaking, you know, th- this is a case of great management. Just the numbers just don't add up. I mean, we can, you can love, you know, I can, I can love, I can love a woman all she wants, but if she doesn't love me back, it ain't going to do me any good. So I can, we can love a management, tell me, but, um, so we're waiting basically on uh, on the chapter 11 on that front they've got now got two extensions as you remember they missed an interest payment on july 1st for 14 million dollars they fired another forbearance extension agreement which is basically round two fool me once shame on you fool me twice shame on you fool me three times who knows what happens but that will be september 15th is the new deadline for that one so so, so that's something that happened this week we also had a great quote still i loved this on wednesday chevron cfo in an interview with jeffries came out and said too many ceos per boe Ooh, zinger uh, are are we get what uh are we gonna call that his law i mean you remember uh moore's law uh every, yeah, every... two years technology doubles no, every two year, uh, you know, every two years it was the number of transistors. Yes, that's what it is. Yeah, another transistor. Uh, so, are we going to call this his law? I don't know. That's very interesting. Track the number of CEOs per barrel of oil over time. That would be a really tough, not tough, because you just have to do it. It's basically the number of oil companies. Interesting. That would be a. I want to go back and do that analysis. We're going to come back on the show here, and I want to have that plot figured out because I'd be very interested to see the plot and how that works. There's some interesting stuff with that. Um, but I just thought there was a great quote, specifically coming from a C-suite of Chevron, which you know what that means? They're still on the hunt. And every all of these other majors are on the hunt. They're, this is like, this is turkey, this is private land turkey hunting, where all you have to do is roll out with the shotgun, and there's just 60 of them lying around really fat and slow. And all you kind of got to do is line up and get within a couple feet, and you'll be good. You'll hit something. <laughs> I mean, that's what so, I think these. That's what I think these super majors are sitting there right now. I mean, to have this come out, there's too many CEOs per BOE. Come on, what's that supposed to mean? I'll tell you what. Maybe they got the law uh, with the calculations already figured out. I mean, that's hilarious. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Another thing that happened um, this week. We're following Chesapeake's bankruptcies. Remember, about three, four weeks ago, they finally declared bankruptcy. Largest shale percussion company to, to declare bankruptcy, but trying to look between, they're trying to get between, it's like six and a half and seven billion reduced. I mean, what's a couple billion between friends? Unfortunately, we are not advisors on that deal, so no, we're not getting a cut off this one. But here's the crazy part. So, when a, there are multiple 
you know, what we would call liabilities when you declare bankruptcy. You have debtors, you have senior note holders, you have shareholders, but you also have all of these contracts that you have entered into supply oil to midstream companies. Because remember, these midstream companies, is, is if you've listened to the podcast with, that, we, that we've done with Stephen uh, Barrow, you have to go way back in the archives, but they rely on year, yearly contracts, and sometimes it's multi-year contracts. And these contracts generally don't get broken. They're managed by something what's called FERCA, which is the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, which manages these contracts. So to give you an idea, when a company goes bankrupt, Generally, what happens, as long as they're not declaring a 363 sale, as long if it's a Chapter 11 reorganization, FERCA does not cancel the pipeline contracts. Now, you can appeal and talk about that, but you generally don't win. And that's what's happening to Chesapeake right now. And it's actually holding up their Chapter 11. Chesapeake, in the request to cancel a $300 million contract with energy transfer partners, has been denied in bankruptcy court by U.S. energy rentals. FERCA basically said no. And basically, they came in and said, "No, you're not going to cancel that contract." And you're like, "And that's that's not good. That's three hundred. That because that's a you either you know why Chesapeake's trying to cancel that? It's really simple. It's just a bad deal. I assume. I don't know the logistics of it. I don't know what's up. The only reason they're trying to cancel is because it's a bad deal. They're getting screwed on it. It's just it's it doesn't take a rock it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out probably why they want to cancel this. So. The, the court said no. You agree to a deal. You got to do it. And that's, you know what that's probably for? That's probably for worthless natural, not worthless. Natural gas is probably good right now. But it's probably for hedged worthless natural gas at this point because they haven't been able to do any changes. So I'd be interested to see the logistics. But just to give you an idea, they're trying to get out of worthless contracts. FERC is not letting them. So just remember, when companies declare Chapter 11 bankruptcy, one thing you always need to look at is what? is the pipeline contracts what are their commitments to their midstream counterparties because i shouldn't even say we you, you should call them what they are counterparties you you have when you enter into a, a production agreement or a a swap agreement for uh selling your production that's a you you're now a counterparty which means you're you're liable for that unless a third party comes in and allows you up you you know me and you just can't come around and 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 and, and you know tag it off so that's interesting. I I don't know what's going to happen on that. Um, we also had New Mexico fining DCP and Energy Transfer Partners for some permitting emissions limits in 2017, 2018. Ugh, tick, tick, tick. I just thought the funny thing is they announced it via Twitter, so that's when you know they're just trying to score some political points. Taking lessons from uh, politicians. Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, yesterday was honestly a brutal day for the markets in general. Um, major indices fell over three and a half percentage points with the NASDAQ all the way down about five and a half percentage points. Um, currently market, just to give you an idea, it's 734 market just opened. Spoo's up about a half a percentage point off really, really good jobs numbers. Um, NASDAQ still trading about 100 points down. Dow up about 160 points currently. So a little better today than what happened yesterday. But there's a lot of wealth wiped out yesterday. Um in, in terms of the tech stocks, I mean, we were trading above 12,000 at one point. Now we're all the way down to 11,700. And, and tech stocks, they're implied open. Still down, I mean, looking at uh, NASDAQ futures, there's still 11,760, uh, you know, there's still 63 and a quarter, Stu. So, I mean, talking about we were trading at 71 and a quarter yesterday. Um, so, now I'm giving you tick levels, sorry. Um, point is, that's a big span right there uh, in, in terms of our difference. So, um, you know, if... if, if 
you know, if you're an equity, if 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 you're uh, if you've been on the bull side of this run, I'm sorry. Yesterday didn't quite um, um, hit you, hit you where you wanted, but. You know, you're if you're in it for the long term, there's going to be speed bumps along the way. I just encourage you look at a ten year time frame in the SPY. You're going to be fine. Um, what technical uh, discussion are you having when it said it didn't hit you in the right spot? Is it something you do in a baseball game? Hits. What do you mean? What I do mean, you mean? You just you just said if you were uh, 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 was it bearish on this, it's going to hit you in the wrong spot. Is the crotch the wrong spot? I don't. I don't. I'm not sure if I. I am actually very. I don't remember saying that. I say a lot of things, you know. And I just said. Um, I mean, really, if, if you're if you're on the bull side of this, I just well, don't panic. Um, you know. Yes, I think I mean, I think there's a. I think there's a top, but I mean now look now you know if you, you know I'm, I'm watching it now. Nasdaq just flipped positive, so I mean now we're all green for the day. So just you know. What are institutions doing? They're buying at lower prices. They're selling at higher prices. So I guarantee what's happening now is institutions are buying. I mean, they got a 5% discount today, and they can do some short-term trading. Let this guy rise up, um, you know, maybe another, you know, give it a week, rise up 6%, dump it off. I mean, that's what ha- why tops happen are we reach new all-time highs, and enough people just say, ah, I just want to take some profit here. Stock deflates. Well, what do they do? Well, now this is a price I'm interested in buying. It they get in to start buying because what does buying do? Buying accelerates price movements upward. If you see a price moving upward, that means there are active buyers. Active buyers. If you see selling, that means there are more people willing to sell than there are buyers because people got to drop their price in order to get that off. I mean, it's just how it works. It's, it just comes down to simple buying and selling. So, um, you know, I don't want to get too deep into, into where crude oils because we'll get that, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I think you just kind of hold your ground a little bit. You know, yesterday, another thing we saw was was the EPA. Um, uh, Andrew Wheeler came out, who's his director and of uh, the EPA. Basically, you know, in, in, some terms, uh, in uh, not so few words said, we're probably not going to do any more regulations because we're implementing this really strict policy that every any new regulation has to go through in order to be approved which is you know if you're on the energy reg if you're on the energy you know regulatory side you're clapping your hands at this because especially from 2008 to 2016 you saw a boatload of new regulations come your way we've seen some of them unwind in trump's first term and if he wins again i think you're going to see the same thing but you know yeah i'd be remiss if we bring it we don't bring up both sides i think the the tide is turning in the oil field a little bit stew on who actually does it really matter who wins? I think Biden is so deep politically into just the just the machine. He's gonna he, he I think he deep down knows oil and gas. He can't, can't move away from it. Can't go to solar because he's already backtracked on fracking on federal on fracking on federal lands. We got the the the, the ConocoPhillips COO coming out this week talking about how they're not as concerned. They could care less who wins from an Alaska permitting standpoint because they're convinced Biden's not going to do anything. So I think the tide is turning on the regulatory side. I think the energy people are starting to sleep a little bit better because who knows what's going to happen this November. Can I give you two cents? Sure. That's why I brought you in. Okay, cool. Um, I'm going to call Bullhawk. Uh, bull hockey on Biden okay. saying he's going to be. I, it, there is going to be a difference if uh, Trump versus Biden, and here's why. Um, Biden is about flip floppy as a you know a sand bass coming out on the the beach. 
and he does not have control of his party. I think it's fabulous that he said, hey, uh, fracking is okay. But you still have folks out there like Governor Cuomo. Cuomo. Meatball Cuomo. Yeah, he's a goofball. He's a target waiting to happen as far as jokes go. And um, you take a look at him, and he's banned fracking in New York. And now he's, you know, we've been talking about this for a long time. He's importing Russian LNG out of the Arctic, causing some serious problems. Uh, increase in prices to his people in the state of New York. Watch me get a little violent or upset about that. But he's also probably killing some polar bears. So, oh yeah, I mean, talk about not being uh, supported by uh, short-sighted by the Sierra Club. Uh, then you have uh, the the entire Congress has the potential of going absolutely nutty. Uh, you're going to have a major, we have no idea what's going to happen. Is it going to go straight to the left? Are they going to be able to put in, are you going to be able to put in more left-wing Supreme Court justices? That's going to be the issue. So my my comment on all this is you're not going to see much different in the first quarter two quarters into the oil and gas base. If he does get elected, it will be the third quarter is going to start changing, the fourth quarter, and then all bets are off. And then whenever yeah. he gets Epstein, we'll have Kamala Harris. And then that's 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 the plan. Oh. Um, Just kidding. It's, it's a joke, people. Oh. Um, it's not a joke. <laughs> <laughs> no. It, we get around. Um but I, 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 no, I see your points too. I, I do think, I think you're, you know, I, 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 I see your point. I do think you're, you're becoming the more minority. I do think that this sentiment is shifting just a little bit, but we'll see. I mean, you very much could be right. It'll be interesting how it plays out. Um, but definitely we, we, we now have stated if the Trump administration stays in power for a second term. Um, we're definitely going to see some relaxed regulations. Um, but some of the tea leaves I'm reading, it just see people aren't as concerned as you might think, which is, I guess it good because it's one less thing to worry about, but we will find out. You know, we also posted, if you, if you follow the Oil and Gas 360 show on a daily basis, we posted the fun fact of the day. We started that on Thursday. Um, it's a fun little tweet on the MPV 10s of the 10 super majors. Kind of gives you an idea of what they're basically, their, their, their MPV 10 is worth on a monetary level um, at each different price levels. We go through Chevron, Exxon, uh, BP, and Total, which is really interesting. Um, to look at Stu, you had a really interesting point about Chevron. Um, well, let me just pull it up here. What was what you said? Something really interesting about it. What was it? Well, when you take a look at Exxon and BP and uh, the other uh, super majors, they are diversifying into a lot of renewables. And with Chevron uh, folks uh, saying that, yeah, they're going to dabble in. Uh, Basically, the CEO uh, kind of was right before your was it CFO that gave that comment about the um, uh, too many CEOs per barrel. Um, so when you take a look at the main difference between Chevron and all of the other super majors is the fact that they're not spending as much or divestifying away divestitures away from oil and gas because he said oil and gas is where it's going to stay. Um, 
you know, uh, I and when you take a look at that statement versus the difference, uh, Chevron is the best value no matter what it is because it's right in the middle of that pack. It can make money at $30 oil. It can make money at $50 oil, and it can make money at 70 And they were really the only one that could do that. You could take Exxon, Michael, and I don't remember the number, but they were making money. It had to get to 70 They were not doing so hot at 30 Yeah, they're so, the they're the lowest of the super majors at a $30 price deck. Um, Chevron's the best at 50 Chevron with Noble um, is pretty much a clear number two in terms of a high price tag. Um, what I find interesting is BP's the, the the worst at a high price deck, the best at a low price deck, which is very interesting. Now I think everybody would prefer a high price deck because you know you'd rather if you're even if you're BP, you'd rather 175 million of MPV or 175 billion MPV 10 versus 50 billion. So it doesn't really yep. matter where you are to your peers at that point. But very interesting. Check it out on the 360 news desk. And with that, we'll go ahead and shift to the levels. For crude oil, as always, guys, this segment is sponsored by Sandstone Capital Group. These guys do incredible research. Just call them, 949-561-1880, sandstonecg.com. And when we look at the levels uh, for crude this week, I mean, it's a, a, you know, joke. You know, not going, it's a depressing week for oil. We, you know, really depressed all week, starting specifically um, on Wednesday there with, with, with crude oil inventories coming out. I think that refinery utilization was a good number. Domestic production definitely tanked a little bit, but, um... You know, on the downside, you know, really good downside. We we set forty seventeen as that bottom side level. We almost got to it late la- or early on Thursday morning or uh, late on Wednesday about five fifteen. We saw forty twenty eight. So I like that downside level. Maybe shifted up enough. Forty sixty two held very low as a level of support. Um, forty you know forty one even is probably a level we should have had in there. But I'm gonna go ahead and just shift it up. I like really like forty one thirty six. We saw a capping forty one eighty seven. Saw two touches off that. Now we're you know currently trading about forty one bucks right now. Um, so that's kind of an up, uh, upside level, really from 4181 out of 4312, at least in the past week. There's there's no real volume. If we kind of zoom out a little bit to give an idea of some of those sticky levels, um, there's a couple things that come out here. Sorry, i got to go to a new time frame here. i got to go to five minutes here. couple things that point out to me if we kind of go into a five-minute time frame here. I mean, really what I like is... Uh, if we go to excuse me, go to a little t- five minute time frame here. Yeah, I mean, really not much volume. Even if you go out to, uh, you know, you go out ten days, point of controls up at forty three oh five. So I mean, you really have a really wet spot right there, as I like to call them, between forty one eighty seven and 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 I think that next level up, which I would say is probably forty two fifty. So things it could get slippery. So I mean, and, and what I mean is things are gonna run on you hardcore. Um, right. You're going to you're, you're, if things pop above 4187, you might be sitting in the chair and looking and see 4250 very quickly. So just just watch that, especially um, you know, especially in these times. If you're not trading order flow, I just help God help you. Um, don't be trading price action for crude oil. Um, I know order flow seems confusing when you look at a footprint chart, but just please do it. Don't 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 not trade the footprint because it looks scary. There are plenty of resources to go learn how to look. The only way to really trade this type of stuff is knowing the tick levels, figuring out where the weak volume is, and just really ride the wave because no one's smart enough to beat the algos. You just have to figure out where the algos are going and hop on the train. As I mentioned, the DOE inventory numbers um, came out. 9.4 million draw for crude oil, um, bringing that uh, stock number down to 500 or 489 
million barrels, which is that, that's including the STR, uh, SPR. As we talked about, domestic production down lower 48 production, 9.2 million barrels down 1.2 million from last week. So that's pretty much all shut in from uh, Hurricane Mark. It would be interesting to see. What I'm interested for is next Wednesday. What are we, not Wednesday? It's going to be Thursday because of the holiday. Great! We have to wait till Thursday. But on Thursday, not eight eight. They do a little shift. I think it's now on Thursday. I think it's like eight a.m. They'll do it on Mountain Air. But whatever. Point is, we will know on Thursday what the new number, is. and that's going to be a very interesting number to see how quickly this week they were able to turn all their production on. And that's a number I think traders will be eyeing specifically. It'll also be interesting to see what refinery utilization does down ten percent this week. How much of that can we flip? back on rig counts also dropped this morning let me pull them up here where's my rig counts here we go rig count in the permian rises by 431 which is great total u.s rig counts up three to 185 and heading in i love the headline from s&p right here u.s oil and gas rig count rises by three to 285 heading into the last trimester of 2020 so clearly oil and gas rig counts are pregnant and they're, they're, they're about to come into the last drive. It's just kidding. It just it makes me laugh. Three plus three, 285 rigs. As we mentioned, Permian Basin goes up by four to 134. Um, when we look at the breakdown, Eagle Ford um, and Haynesville both gained one. Um, you know, kind of the biggest movers. We saw EOG Occidental. Oxys gaining rigs. <laughs> Funny. WPX and QEP. Why are those? Why are three of those four companies adding rigs? That kills me. Bakken saw no rigs. Ten still has ten rigs. DJ still got six. Marcellus still got twenty five. Scoop Stack still got ten. Unicus got six. You gotta you gotta kill me. QEP's drilling a rig after they gotta pay their debt off with their CARES Act stuff. <sighs> Fires me up, Stu. Fires me up. Hey, uh, let me uh, interject here. Uh, Baker Hughes also threw out uh, the international rig count was 563 onshore, 184 offshore for a total of 747. This is four up from July. The worldwide rig count is 851 onshore, 199 offshore for a total of 1,050. Uh, that is up 20 from July. And I believe we have some dashboards coming out that people are going to want to uh, take a look at that you've been working on as an analyst. Yeah, yeah, no, we're uh, we're getting there. Uh, we're on the, you know, I said we're on like the, 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 the five, the 10 yard line. And it's first and 10, and we've got all three timeouts. And we're good. We're going to pound this one into the end zone this weekend. Um, it's just going to figure out first, you know, I got to get into Bloomberg here and. Blanca's now on vacation for three days. So hopefully she can just forward me an email from wherever she is. Otherwise, uh, we'll figure it out. But we've got the database spun up. I just got to finish writing a couple queries. And we're going to get these up and running. It'll be really nice. We're going to do a... Uh, we'll talk more about that on the closing bell this afternoon. So I don't want to tease you guys too much on that. Kind of give you an idea. Nah, we won't go there. I think we're good. We won't go there. I was we were gonna we were just gonna get deep into some other stuff. So are we missing anything? I think we this has been, you know, we're sitting here around 35, 40 minutes. I think we've done a good job of covering everything that happened this week. We missing anything. The international news desk. What happened on the international news desk? 
Oh, it was a crazy week. Let me take you around the world. Uh, we're going to announce a, a paper that you and I are going to be writing and finishing up because there's a couple things in there that we're seeing patterns. When you see patterns, there's something going on. Follow the money and see the pattern. All right. First up, uh, Saudi Aramco announced that they're divesting very heavily. I believe it was a billion dollars uh, in real estate. So can you see them as Remax or whatever it is? You know, they're going to start doing real estate. Homes now. by Saudi Aramco. <laughs> and uh, so I think it's great. I mean, it's a business decision. It's absolutely fabulous. Uh, they're also looking at building downstream items in Texas. They, instead of building up from the ground, they are looking at buying. They are also looking at major investments in India and China. I find this kind of humorous that somebody's actually investing in China uh, for downstream, and Saudi Aramco is actually putting India. India is usually just printing money and putting it all over the rest of the world. And they're finally having somebody do it to them. So that was the first story. And uh, so that's the Middle East. Interesting. Uh, and so they're, they're eyeing refineries in Texas? Uh, yes. It's, well, go uh, take over Sitco. I'm tired of the Venezuelans being in our country. Take over Sitco. This is this is my charge to Saudi Arabia. You listen to me. I will broker this deal. You take over Sitco's refinery in Houston. We get... Venezuela out of here. Um, Yay? Nay? Do we like it? Like? Oh, I like it. I, I got nothing, man. I'm right there with you. As usual, you're usually right. Uh, okay. Next stop on the international tours, Australia. Hold on. Do we get... Is this flight have a meal? Um, I'm getting kind of hungry. Uh, well, you know, hey, when I... When I <laughs> There's no meals, coronavirus. I'm just, I'm I, just I, owe you steak, I owe you a steak dinner when I get up to Denver this week. I feel you. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Um, as we uh, take a look at the next one, we had... Um, we had another company that was working on uh, blue natural gas. This was Europe, so I apologize. We still haven't left Europe yet. Blue natural gas, uh, or blue hydrogen. So, you know, everybody's talking about being green. Uh, we got the green crunch going on. Yep. We got the green out. Everybody's going to do the green out. Some of the financial ones. Anyway, so uh, blue hydrogen is what? Blue hydrogen? Yeah. I thought you said it was natural gas. Ding. So there's a common element right there. So blue hydrogen, natural gas. So now we're flying down to uh, from Saudi Arabia to Europe. Now we're off to um, uh, Australia. Australia is what's the in-flight movie? Um, Kevin Bacon, uh, uh, Footloose. Okay. Okay. We're watching Footloose. Watching Footloose, and there's a reason why we're watching Footloose now. Okay. In, in Australia, um, they had a green coal coming out uh, so that they could um, make uh, a new bio uh, fuel that they had some goofy name on. I'll have to, in our paper, we'll have it. So they're taking coal and they're calling it green. Uh, I love them for that because we love fossil fuels. So, you know, okay, there's another one. And a bottom line is it creates natural gas out of coal and CO2. 
Okay, there's another thread on natural gas. So you said the other day, um, people are politically calling uh, natural gas green, and it's basically instead of climate change or climate. It's just a sleight of hand, just so they're not wrong in five years when it becomes commonly known that natural gas is probably the not probably natural gas is the best way to achieve a low cost, clean, sustainable energy source. Oh yeah. Okay. So then I don't blame them. They're just trying to be right. I get it. We'll let you in. We'll let you in. Um, we're still in, uh, Australia right now. Okay. Bear with me as BHP charters five LNG Newcastle max bolt carriers in the world first. Those are very large bolt carriers for coal. Uh, the coal that they're exporting out of Australia is the Coke coal going to Asia. This Coke coal will not count against BHP's CO2 uh, uh, emissions because Asia is using them to build ships, ships, targo, uh, cargo carriers, mm-hmm. tankers, everything. So you're seeing the pattern here, right? The Newcastle Max is LNG powered. Okay. You got that? So all of a sudden, all the world's large carriers are now migrating to LNG. Okay. You got that? Yeah. See a pattern. I'm going to read you my uh, publisher's note on this article. Got Bear it. with me. Hit me with it. Two, two three sentences. Oil and gas publishers note. Earlier this week, we ran a story about BHP exporting coke coal from Australia to Asia and not have the fossil fuel count against the BHP CO2 emissions under their goal to carbon free operations. Here's some key tidbits from this week's news stories. Coke coal is used in making steel. We talked about that. Number two, the most of the new tankers and built and bulk haulers are built in Asia. We talked about that. Number three, the new tankers are being built for LNG to reduce CO2 emissions by 30%. That's a huge number. Bing, here comes the new stuff. Okay, I told you I was going to surprise you. As in the Hollywood game, six degrees of Kevin Bacon back in 2007, um, everybody knew Kevin Bacon or uh, you know, do you remember what it was? Oh, it was like seven degrees away from Kevin Bacon. I know that was uh, the that was the game. Yeah, yeah. I honestly, between me and you, I've never seen Footloose. Uh, okay, six degrees, and and that means that anybody in Hollywood could count six steps to Kevin Bacon that yes. they starred in. Okay, you and I, the oil and gas three hundred and sixty team, and our paper coming up is we are creating right now the two degrees of natural gas. So the two degrees of natural gas is the link between natural gas and renewable fuels. This is the Kevin Bacon of the two degrees of natural gas. And it is crazy what people are calling all of this kind of stuff. The link to renewable power generation is natural gas. It's a good rebrand. They've got some good IR guys in the green space. Oh, absolutely. So we got the two degrees of natural gas coming out. I absolutely love it. Well, 
I've got jet lag, so I think we need to go ahead and put your <laughs> put your tray table up. Yeah, put the tray table up. You can unbuckle. Thank you for flying Stu International Airlines. Have a nice trip. Um, I love it as always. I love that. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the time here. We're about 50 minutes here, so I think you know we're we got a long weekend coming up, guys. If thanks for listening to the show, um, you know, enjoy your three day wake. And this is only step one. Or step two, I should have said, of a three-step process. Yes, so you had to listen to the closing bell yesterday. You had to listen to the show this morning, which you're doing. Great job. Now you got to listen to the digital ticker this afternoon. Guys, with that, we're going to let you get back to work. Thank you for checking us out. 360 Digital Closing Bell on the world's greatest website, oilandgas360.com. We will see you this afternoon for the digital ticker. Cool.